0: All right, everybody. You guys feel good today? Can we give it up for our beautiful panel up here? These are, this is our pastoral staff. I'm a, uh, I'll have you guys introduce yourselves, actually, um, so if you guys can pop on your mics really fast. My name is Devin. I'm a part of the Dream Team here. I also serve as the Youth Young Adult Director at Connect, and so that's my role. PD, In case you don't know, Pastor
1: Derek, if you don't know who I am. Uh...
2: Great. Hi, Pastor Chris. Um, State state your role really fast.
1: Oh, sorry. I'm the lead pastor of Connect. Thank you.
2: I will be pastoring the future campus coming up in the spring. (laughs) And shameless plug. What's going on tonight? Shameless plug. Tonight at 530, there's an interest meeting for that. So if you want to know more. In the house.
0: Thank you for four of you guys that are really excited about that. God bless
2: us.
3: (laughs)
4: Incredible church. Yeah.
3: Hey, I'm Pastor Mark. I'm sort of the location
4: campus pastor here. Hey, guys, I'm Pastor and I do everything else that these guys don't.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, come on. (laughs) Everything
0: else. (laughs) So here's the deal. We have a limited amount of time. I'm going to give you kind of the format and a little bit of context of what's going to be happening. Like I mentioned before in uh, the MC uh, moment, We have a phone number. I believe it'll be up on the screen or it is in your worship guide. And if you have any questions, uh, we would love for you guys to submit those. And this is much more of an interactive. This is a dialogue, not a monologue today. Uh, However, brief little context. This is not stump the pastor. This is not to have theological debates. This is a place where we can get better. We can grow and develop in our walks. And so, Uh, We have some people in the back that are kind of deciphering through some of the questions. I'll get them on my phone. I'm not texting my wife. That's not what's happening. I'm just getting some of the questions, and then we'll ask it and address it that way. So that makes sense to everybody? You guys excited for this? We had an awesome first service. Uh, One of the questions that was submitted last service that I thought was pretty funny uh, was, why do all the pastors wear skinny jeans? And this is just, I don't know. It's obvious what our position is. (laughs) Yeah, right? I, I don't know what the deal is. But here was another one that just got sent in. They said, why is Pastor Chris Mendes so short? I don't understand. <laughs> I don't know if somebody has an issue Yet against you. Get taller than Devin. I, guess yeah, so. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know about that. And then another one. Actually, this one's a little bit deeper. Actually, a lot deeper. Uh, why is Pastor Derek's son so much better looking than him? What happened? I appreciate that, whoever sent that. Because I
1: married up. Yeah. yeah.
0: That's a good answer. Good yeah. answer. It's a good answer. good answer. <laughs> it's a good answer. <clears throat> Uh, nobody, nobody <laughs> sent it that question. Yeah. <laughs> hey, so listen, we love to have fun in church, uh, but at the same time, we love to get down to business. So I want to start right away and uh, make sure you guys submit your questions to that phone number. Uh, uh, PD, I want to ask you this question uh, because it was a I'm kind okay. of feeling sick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a really hot topic, uh, especially last service, but uh, something similar that I think a lot of Christians don't understand, and know how to define. Um, when it comes to drinking alcohol, what's our stance as a church? Because I know there are some places and some communities that say, absolutely not, none of it. Where do we stand? What do you
1: think? What would you say? Uh, keg parties at all small groups. Uh, uh. <laughs> it's how you build team. No. Um, so I'll lean in. Um, Guy in the back was like, yeah! A better way for me to answer this is to kind of come from, just kind of frame it a little bit. So hang with me. Um, sometimes people get upset that we don't make a stance on that. Uh, if you come from a Christian background, I'm going to try to explain why. Um, the Bible says in, in 1 Corinthians 1.10, Paul is talking to the church, and he says, um, All y'all, I wish there wouldn't be any divisions among you. I want you to be united in thought and purpose. So a lot of churches that subscribe to the Bible as their manual for living are cool with the purposes of the church. Love God, love people, make disciples. They're all good with that. But how we think about things, how our, our kind of um, approach to life, our philosophy of ministry and things like that. Paul's saying, I want you to be united in that too. And that kind of refers to culture. So what I'm going to give you is a culture response to Devin's question specific to alcohol and, and other things. So at Connect, this is good for you to know if you consider this your home church. We say that in essential beliefs, we must have unity In non-essential beliefs, we have liberty, and in all our beliefs, we show charity or love. So, let me unpack that. In essential beliefs, an essential belief in the scripture would be salvation, for example. We subscribe to Jesus' words, not my words, where Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father but by me. There's no other name given among men whereby we must be saved, Jesus. Uh, so salvation is an essential belief found only in and through Jesus Christ' faith in Jesus Christ, by grace through faith. everybody tracking with me. Another examples of essentials of the faith, if you want to know what they are, you can look at our statement of faith. I wish our statement of faith was the Bible, but because of man's complication of things, man complicates, God simplifies. we have to have statement of faith. So in essentials, we have to have unity. In non-essentials, we show liberty or freedom. In other words, we're not going to get up here and make a big stance on things that are kind of uh, preferential. They're not like clear, abundantly clear, black and white in the scriptures. So the Bible doesn't say you can't go to movies. The Bible doesn't say uh, you can't drink. It doesn't say that. It's contrary to what some of you might think. It just says, it says, it says don't be drunk. It doesn't say you can't drink. Now, that's not to say that we should just go out and drink all the time. It says, be not drunk with, with wine, where is excess, in excess, but be filled with the Spirit. It's talking about the Holy Spirit. So our emphasis, scripturally, is be filled with the Holy Spirit, not wine and spirits. Mm. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm talking about right now? Okay? So it's not get up here and say, don't do this, don't do this. No, they're saying, get up and pursue God, fall in love with God. That's the best emphasis for us. So we... We, we don't make a stance here. Now, you know, in terms of drinking, you know, I have the freedom to do so. And, but I don't want, according to the rest of Scripture, to use that freedom as a stu- to become a stumbling block for somebody else. So I'm careful about the exercising of that freedom because it can hurt somebody else in their walk with life. Everybody tracking? <laughs> then in all our beliefs, whatever they are, You have to show love or charity. So last week we talked about what what about today's, you know, what about sex in today's kind of world and culture? What about sexual orientations? All those things that we talked about last week. Whatever your position is on this, it should never be a justification for hatred or isolation or picketing. Is everybody tracking with me? That's not Christ-centered. That's not Christ-like, and that's certainly not going to make a difference. It's only going to make a point. So in all our beliefs, uh, we want to make sure that we're showing charity as we go forward. Amen?
0: That's right. excellent. So make sure I say this right. The assen- the essentials we show unity, non essentials we show liberty, liberty, freedom, and all our beliefs we show charity. charity. Or love. Amen. Isn't that so good? You should write that down. That's a great little statement right there. Um, PDG, I want to direct it to you because oftentimes, uh, alcoholism and and marijuana are kind of a tandem kind of conversation. We know uh, just from personal experience and some of your stories you told us uh, you struggled with that quite a bit back in the day. And, uh, <laughs> oh my god! I'm just being serious. Anyways, um, his favorite band his
1: favorite <laughs> um, band was the Doobie Brothers. <laughs> yeah,
0: right. So speaking about smoking joints and weed and stuff like that, Deej, uh, uh What's our what's our stance as a church um, now that it is legalized? Getting more serious now that it is legalized. Is it a sin? Uh, where do we stand? What do you think?
4: Uh, let us know. All right, um, let's ask Siri. Uh, let me see. <laughs> <laughs> First of all, I, I have never done that. Just saying. Uh, but let's just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding this is we all remain silent.
3: All right. Did you hear the joke? You know who the pot smoker's favorite character in the Bible is? Uh, Stephen, because he was stoned. <laughs>
4: All right, so on that At note, you got some relief. <laughs> All right, so on that note. And um, that ends the uh panel today. Thanks, guys. So, for the longest time, let's um for the longest time it has been very easy to answer that question because it was illegal. And anything that is illegal is a sin according to Romans 13 and a couple of other different places in the Bible as well. And now that it became legal in Massachusetts, uh these questions are kind of resurfacing. Is it okay now that it's legal? Uh, and, and some people even come in with some biblical uh, references trying to make that okay. Uh, m- many people will actually reference Genesis 129 that says that God has given us every seed-bearing plant for food. And and, and marijuana or cannabis as, as the original plant uh, is a seed-bearing plant. So God has given us that for food. Is that okay then? Well, notice that it says that God has given that for food, not to be smoked. So, I'm just saying. Uh, so, as. So, as are the, weed brownies all right? Uh, no, no, no. I'll get to brownies in a second. I'll get to brownies in a second. But, uh, so, Only for food. Chocolate and, 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 and we don't necessarily <laughs> smoke foods unless it's smoked salmon or, or barbecue, baby <laughs> back ribs. And if you do that, call me because I love that kind of stuff. But uh, we don't necessarily smoke or inhale food right uh so that's one one argument that goes against that second one is you don't necessarily see people you know having a little bit of weed salad uh with their steak and potatoes right people don't season that and all of that seaweed maybe but not weed um and they don't necessarily add that to brownies for the phenomenal flavor or nutritional value of it all right so there's another intention why people do that and that is condemned by the bible so that's one. Second, many people will do exactly what P.D. was talking about: uh, use alcohol as 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 a as a close cousin or whatever, however you want to call it, uh, for that. So it's so people will argue that it's okay to do that. It's okay to use marijuana or, or smoke weed uh, if, as long as you're doing moderation. And and the truth is, it's not okay because you can't do that in moderation. Uh, as simple as, as as it is, you can have. Let's say, hypothetically, a couple of sips of, of, of wine or, or a glass of wine, and not necessarily be intoxicated by it or getting to the psychoactive state where your mind, re- literally, your re- reality is changed. Uh, however, with weed, um, not by firsthand experience, by the way, Devin, but by information. You're throwing uh, an awfully <laughs> lot of qualifiers in defending it. I uh, just, just want to I make sure know, that you just- know um but from my from my knowledge is between between one and two one and three puffs people are already intoxicated so no you can't do that in moderation uh and that gets you in that alternate state which is unbiblical and it's condemned by the bible third thing um bible clearly condemns and goes against any kind of sorcery uh it, it's, it's in very very many different places uh galatians five nineteen talks about that um now, you might be asking, what does sorcery have to do with weed or, 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 or marijuana? And what it has to do is that if you go back to the original language, Greek, uh, of that part of the Bible, sorcery translates to pharmakeia, wow. where we today get the word pharmacy, which literally means the use of drugs. And sorcerers would use drugs to make sure to, to, to help people or induce people into a different state of mind, getting out of the reality that they... That the true reality, into a different reality, uh, and that is strictly forbidden by the Bible. So with all of that being said, many people will use substances, um, whether it's marijuana or any other kind of drug or, um, or alcohol even, to go into that different state of mind simply to escape the current real reality. Uh, and, that's, and if you struggle with that, I would encourage you to uh, look for the one that can actually help you through the struggles of life. If you want to escape whatever it is that you're going through uh, using substances, whenever that wears off, whatever it is, it will always be back here. And it will, in, in all, no doubt, it will be bigger and bigger and bigger. But if you want true release, uh, relief, and you want to find the strength and the clarity and the wisdom to navigate through and out of whatever it is they're going through, you can only find that in Jesus Christ. That's great. Amen? That's great, Pdh. Now, yeah, that was awesome.
0: Thank you for sharing your experiences. And uh, just kidding. Sorry. I uh, couldn't help myself. 62nd uh, abridged version. Uh, what about medicinal marijuana? Is that, is that okay?
1: This is what I would say. First of all, I think medicinally it's fine. Um, if it's going through the appropriate channels and checked and approved, et cetera, um, just like any other drug. Um, the problem is, is that it, it's just a cover sometimes for increased recreational use. Um, in, in Colorado alone, for example, there are more distribution centers of medicinal marijuana than there are McDonald's and Starbucks combined. Wow. The motto for Colorado is once you go there, you forget you were ever there. So that's the new motto. Wow. So, it's, so it's, it's, a major, it's a major just kind of sometimes cover. So I think, I think the excess is kind of testified to the problem there.
0: That's great. Thank you for your insight. Uh, here's a question that was just uh, submitted. My wife recently converted to Christianity from Judaism, and her family is unsupportive. How can we respond in a life-giving way? Thank you for that question, whoever whoever asked that. Open-ended. P. Matt, P. Chris,
2: anybody? Say it again. We paying attention? <laughs> I was. These they two have,
1: have a special relationship, <laughs> so, so it's
2: going to be a problem. So, so let me feel this a little bit.
1: Do you want me
0: to ask a question again?
2: No. Yeah. Oh, you paid attention. Do, do it for okay, me, great. though. Do, do it for me, though. <laughs>
0: okay. Question was My wife recently converted to Christianity from Judaism. Got it? Okay. Squirrel. And her family is unsupportive. How can we respond in a life giving way?
3: You know, that's one set of specifics. There are a lot of people in this church that have the same thing going on. They came from a Catholic background, and now they're in here, and their parents feel what? Because we can be in a position where. Decisions that we make in li- our lives, including spiritual ones, are different than our parents did. And they are, in essence, saying, well, isn't what we did good enough? And, and as, a, as though our decision is a rebuke or a criticism of them. And so that's not what, the, what we want to be profiling out to them. we we'll say, listen, uh, I've decided. And so for the Jewish person, they say, listen, I know we were raised. We're waiting for the Messiah. We're looking for the Messiah. and I, I've concluded I think that Jesus is the Messiah. And so I want to pursue him. My cultural heritage of Judaism isn't gone, but now I'm complete in my Jewishness because my, I believe I found Messiah, my Messiah. And so then, so we have that piece. And then secondly, uh, um, re, for people, for all sorts of, um, of spiritual perspectives that are coming from, um, we want to be aware of the fact that there's a, ultimately a spiritual battle going on. 2 Corinthians 4.4, the God with this liturgy, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers. So we just need to be aware of the people that we're talking to, whether they are from a different spiritual background or they're atheists, um, they need a spiritual breakthrough so they can really understand what's going on with us. That's excellent.
1: I think that anybody, any faith um, background, denial of God, whoever, whatever their position, agnostic, atheist, um, different religion, I, I think nobody gets saved until they realize they, they were lost. Nobody gets... Uh, you know, rescued until they realize they're drowning. And so trying to identify where a person's at in their spiritual journey, I always use the lifeguard analogy that our responsibility is like a lifeguard. We walk the beach and we wait for somebody to throw their hand up and say, help, 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 help. And then we get in there and we toss them uh, a life uh, jacket or a life preserver and then we pull them in. So I think our position is to stay on watch Stay in connectivity, stay in relationship with people uh, until they come to the place that they're drowning. That will happen if you stay in relationship with them. If you don't drive them away by the things you say, but that you draw them by the life you live, there will be a moment in time where they are drowning and they're going to want rescue, they're going to want help. So and I think you just be a life, a life, a life uh, guard. That's
0: excellent. Here's another uh, question that was asked, and I think it goes... And is married to what we talked about last week, and I thought you did a great job graciously and truthfully talking about our stance on the sexual identity issue. Here was is what was asked. Uh, would my gay friends be welcomed? be absolutely <laughs> welcomed here at Connect? And in the first service, I want to marry the two questions. Is they asked, Do you think it's wrong for somebody to be attracted to the same sex? Or do you believe they're born people were born in the wrong body? So I know there's a couple questions in there, but Would my gay friends be welcomed here at Connect? I think we can all say absolutely, Absolutely, no question about it. 100%, we welcome all people. Um, Would you wanna say anything on that?
1: A a question back would be, are you okay uh, being in an environment where we can agree to disagree on some things? Because if you're whoever you are, whatever your orientation is, um, uh, my position is that in life, we're gonna have relationships with people we don't agree on everything, but what is unique In an autonomous culture in which we live, is that there is this tendency for people who don't think and believe like us or or us like them is to try to force or impose our beliefs on them, and and make us believe like each other. And 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 nothing could be further from Jesus' life and ministry. He would lean into relationships with people who didn't believe like him, and in the process could be a positive influence on them. So everybody is welcome here. Um, We can. We have acceptance, but we see acceptance and agreement as mutually exclusive terms, just like trust and forgiveness are mutually exclusive terms. And so if people can come in and have disagreement, they can definitely have acceptance here. The question is, can they do that when they come? That's great. That's great.
0: Uh, PMAC, I want to ask you that uh, second question. Do you think it's wrong for somebody to be attracted to the same sex? And do you believe people were born in the wrong body?
3: Uh, I don't think it's thinking... Is not, um, and temptation is not sinful. It's the action and thinking that follows up from that original. So uh, um, we're all tempted. So is it sinful for somebody to be tempted by a member of the same sex? No, it's what the, they do with that temptation that becomes the issue for them. Um, because we, we all, let's be real, we all encounter it. You know, I'm a married guy and I've got an awesome wife. But I see beautiful women walking by, right? Because why? I'm a red-blooded take male. It easy, buddy, right. Take it easy, buddy. Take it easy. And so here's the thing is, Awkward. but I don't, I don't act on that, right? And so it's like, I was like, whoa, Mark, don't look there. Right? And so, so the temptation exists for all people. Every one of you encounters the same sorts of temptations. The question is whether we act on them. What was the second piece? Uh, are we born were in, in we the born wrong body? Do you believe yeah. people were
0: born in the wrong body? By the way, thank you for your candid uh, yeah. answer.
3: Um, no, we're what Psalm one thirty nine. We're knit together in our mother's womb. I don't think we're born in the wrong body. We're and, fearfully
1: and wonderfully yeah.
3: made, right? And so one of my so, friends. One of so, my friends so,
0: says, I'll, "I'll let you go."
3: Well, sorry, sorry, I missed that. Sorry. Funny <laughs>
0: thing. One of my friends says, "Some people were wonderfully made. Some people were fearfully made." <laughs> <laughs> I just thought that was good. But we're all made by God. Praise God. Amen. You,
3: you know what? I, I guess I would just say on this, um, I would go back to last last week's message because there was so much. In This uh, it's a big question, and I think PD spent enough time in it last week that it's, I agree. Uh, rather than taking a limited time to go rehash, I won't do that.
0: That's excellent. Uh, P. Chris, um, I think I just made up a nickname. Did I say that?
2: P. Chris. P. Chris is, that, I mean, that,
0: that could stick. I don't know. Uh, some people call him DJ Catapult. I don't know. It's true. I have a single out uh, yeah. if you want to follow. He does have a single Anyways, um,
2: I want to ask you, uh, is there truly only one way to God? So whenever we answer these types of questions, we want to understand also where it's coming from or what they really want to understand. When they ask a question, so you want to answer the the question specifically, but you also want to understand why they're asking that question. I think it's just as important. So, what we, usually when I hear th- that question is "Jesus, the the only way to heaven." Um, I, I think they want assurance; they want to know that our God is a just God. And if you read Romans eight twenty eight, it, it says that yes, we we must confess that Jesus is is the way. And and so I would say yes, but. That is a sufficient response, and and it's not the only necessary response. If you look at Moses or, or Job or even the criminals on the cross, they never confessed Jesus, but but he inaugurated with Jesus' paradise moments thereafter. And so, is, it, it, yes, it is a sufficient response.
0: That's excellent. Um, there was a question submitted. First of all, I want to preface it. This is a heavy subject. Um, I want to appreciate the person that sent it in. Your boldness and bravery is commendable. Um, this is what they asked: I had a miscarriage, and I'm still healing physically and mentally from it. Why did God allow this to happen?
1: Well, as as one or a couple who have also experienced a miscarriage, we, my wife and I, miscarried twins. Um, so firsthand experience with that. We believe they're in heaven. Um, I would say there's a lot to this subject, so I'll make it fast. I think, you know, why do bad things happen to good people kind of thing is really what we're saying there. And um, I think that we live in a world where there's three types of suffering. Pastor Mark uh, sometimes talks about this as well, but we have three types of suffering. We have Um, three C's you can remember this we have Christian suffering we suffer for the name of Christ by association with him sometimes we're persecuted not so much in America today which is unfortunate sometimes Uh, we suffer uh, a common suffering we suffer because we live in a cursed world so since the fall of man in Genesis chapter 3 uh, the world, as a result, has changed as a result of that. And so we have, um, you know, uh, shorter lives and firm bodies, all kinds of issues that happen. The, the earth doesn't provide what it once did under the firmament that God had created in the original design in Eden. And then thirdly, we have consequential suffering. We, we suffer because of our own choices. And so um, a lot of those things sometimes can produce less fortunate um, situations in our life. And so... I, I typically like to live by this model that that God is good, but life is unfair, and I try to separate the two in dealing with these difficult situations.
0: Say the three C's one more time, just for clarity. There's
1: Christian suffering, we suffer for the name of Jesus. A persecution at times. There's common, like, for example, Pastor John who was here from Pakistan. They could lose their life for the name and association with Jesus Christ. Uh, they put ba- you know bags over their head before they confess Jesus because they don't want to get killed. And then we can suffer uh, uh, common suffering. That's just, it's just because we live in a cursed world. It's a, it's a one day that will all be rectified. There will be an ultimate reconciliation uh, one day when there's a new heaven and a new earth. And then we suffer uh, consequential suffering. We suffer because of our, our own choices. That's good.
0: Great answer to that. Um,
4: PDH, is masturbation a sin? All right, we just got PG 13 <laughs> right now. <laughs> PG 13. So if you're under oh, 13, just close your ears for a little bit. Um, all right, how do we go about answering this? Well, the Bible doesn't. Uh, why am I getting all of these? Well, incredible. So the Bible doesn't don't necessarily. Do <laughs> don't do the joke. Don't do the joke. The Bible...
1: <laughs> We're all thinking something you guys don't know, but anyway.
4: Yeah. The Bible doesn't necessarily speak about masturbation. Um, well, there are a couple of places. <laughs> no, no. Those are inside jokes. But uh, the Bible does not necessarily speak about that uh, specifically. Um, and it, but uh, it does speak about all the things that kind of lead up to it. So... Uh, And because the Bible doesn't necessarily speak about it directly, many people can just come to uh, justifications. You know, like, it's not involving anyone. It does not hurt anyone. um, This is a way that I get by without getting into worse sexual sins or, you know, or the common one. You know, everybody does it. Everybody does it. And let me tell you, uh, the fact that if if you are struggling with something, whether masturbation or anything else, that you're um, not in control of, that you are controlled by, uh, does not necessarily mean that everybody does it. All right? Because trust me, not everybody does it. Um, but those are common little things that people use to kind of justify and just, you know, be able to live with themselves with the fact that they can't not do it. Um, Make sense? So that's, so that's one factor. Second factor is the people that will say it's definitely a sin, it is, it is in the Bible, they will often refer to a Bible story It's found in Genesis chapter 38, talking about Onan and Tamar, where Onan uh, spilled his seed, that's what the Bible says, on the floor. And because of that, he got serious consequences, uh, a.k.a. death. He he ended up dead because of what he did. Now, many people say or or believe that it's because he spilled the seed on the ground. And that's not necessarily the context of the story. Uh, He got consequences because he was abusing Tamar for his own selfish desires, um, and not fulfilling his duty as the brother of, of the deceased, uh, customs of of the time. So that's one. Second thing in in Matthew five chapter uh, chapter five verse twenty or so uh, talks about uh, J- Jesus is saying if if your if your right hand causes you to sin, um, cut it out. So let's not take that literal, okay? We don't want to have anybody going through surgery or, or hospitals uh, from There's here a lot on out. Of stubs. <laughs> Uh, so I, I can make another joke here, but I won't, um, <laughs> what if you're a lefty? Now I had to say that, I had to say that, sorry, <laughs> but this, this, is this is actually talking, this is actually talking. Thank you about, for our online audience for tuning in, we appreciate you guys so much. This is actually talking about anything that will cause you to sin, not necessarily, uh, lust, but anything, cut it out, cut it out of your lives, basically, that's what Jesus is trying to say. So, now, everything that goes into it uh, 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 that leads to masturbation usually is a sinful, is a sinful um, in nature. It's sinful in nature. So, the Bible talks about for us not to have any, not even a hint of sexual immorality. So, masturbation will almost always, 99.9% of the time, be accompanied by, be, be, be come along or, or be a result of uh, inappropriate sexual thoughts and lustful thoughts about other people uh, or pornography or any other kind of simulation that is strictly condemned by the Bible so that is wrong Bible also says that everything that you do do it for the glory of God whatever you do whether you drink or eat whatever you do do it for the glory of God Bible also says that we need to honor God with our with our body so if in case somebody is able to do this uh, without any lustful thoughts without any impure thoughts to do it do it for the glory of God in thanksgiving to God honoring God with their body then perhaps I could say that's not a sin now whether that scenario ever truly exists I highly doubt that
0: Hello.
1: Uh, yep there it is um well, sex, sex was created for three things. Unity, the highest expression of sex. Two people being united. Procreation, the, the, the replenishing the earth, and pleasure. So the best way that, that God created sex, he's an awesome God. He created sex. Two people were naked on earth. I mean, he's an awesome God. Um, everybody tracking with me? Somebody amen. say amen. He's, he's a good God. So he knows what he's doing. So he created it to be between two people. So if it's just you, it's not, It the intimacy is gone because it becomes a selfish act, not an interactive act between two people.
2: It's great. once one, one thing to add, a, a lot of times when people ask this question, they may be looking for justification. And so just to address that, what, what, is, what is behind the question? Because you, you can then make that one exception, that, that 1%, that, well, you know, my thoughts don't go lustful and, and therefore it's just justified. Well, the, I, would, I would give you this to, to think on. I, th- I think the deeper you go into your relationship with God, the less of your habits you can take with you. Woo! Dang, that'll preach right there. That's good.
0: Um, if you guys can give kind of a rapid fire answer because I want to there's a few more questions that are are great Uh, how can I approach an atheist friend about God in a life giving way it's one way to say it another backside of that question is how do you guys evangelize or reach people effectively
1: I kind of feel like I already answered that sort of with the life with the lifeguard analogy but um, yeah so unless you you guys got something else I I feel like like we did too okay yeah Yeah. Uh,
2: what about people who never heard about Jesus or salvation will they to hell so this is tied into i know you so this is tied into um is jesus the only way and so the follow-up question usually is well what what about people who who never heard of jesus then we must accept that our god is a loving father and that he's just and if you look at the bible from cover to cover you will see that it is a story of a bloodline pointing to a messiah and with highlights that really exposes two gardens. But what you see is a character of God that is very consistent, that he is just and that he is fair. So usually this question, at most times, it's, it's trying to get to a place where, well, is, is our God fair? And so, yes. And, and so to directly answer that question, I would say that people ultimately will be judged in light of the light that they have in how God reveals himself to them in their conscience.
3: You know, let me add one thing to this, and I think, um, I think it's a great, I think it's a super logical and challenging question, especially from an, a non-believer. What, what about the people, the tribal people living in the jungle they've never heard Jesus before? They go to hell when they die? Well, two things. One, you know, Romans 1.20 and, and Romans 2.14 and 15 tells us that creation and our conscience reveals to us and proves to us the existence of God. And so then the question is, what does a person do with that knowledge? Does that knowledge spring into faith or not? You know, it's interesting. When we read the Old Testament, we sort of read it with this faulty lens that it's like that they had the Old Testament sitting next to them, and it was all laid out for them. Like, Abraham, what did he know? Nothing. God tells him to go, and he does this thing. He acts in faith. And so we see throughout the Old Testament where they don't have this written word People are responding to God and acting in faith, which is why when we go to he- New Testament, Hebrews chapter, chapter 11, the Faith Hall of Fame, it recites all these different people and the things that they did that were a demonstration of their faith in this invisible God that they saw, that they didn't have churches to go to, Bibles to read, etc., and that that faith was credited to them as righteousness. So the people living in the jungle today They're no different than Abraham was and the early people in the Old Testament. It's no different. And the question is, so what do they do with this knowledge, this awareness that they have of God? Do they respond to it with faith or not? And so we know because, listen, Moses and Daniel and David, none of them knew Jesus. But Hebrews 11 makes sure they're all in heaven. And so, a person doesn't have to know Jesus because from where they are and from what they have available to them, are, are, are they responding with as much faith and knowledge as they can to the existence of God?
2: And I would just add, real quick, that even though they didn't respond directly to Jesus, they are still receiving as a benefactor because of what Jesus did.
3: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, one more thing. Sorry. Quick thing. So, to my, we might say, well, so therefore, there's no reason for us to go evangelize lost peoples. And that would be faulty. Why is that? Number one, people need help in pointing themselves to be pointed to God. And secondly, what do we see in these tribes, etc., that find Christ? The whole culture is transformed in a positive way. Evil behavior is transformed into good behavior. So lives are changed in this life because of Jesus.
0: Like so. P.V. staying with you. Uh, why, why can we believe that the Bible is reliable it's the in- inerrant, infallible word of God. Why do we believe that
3: and how? Yeah. yeah so what do we do about this? Oh, it's an old book. Uh, why are we supposed to believe it? Well, um, so for us as Christian believers, we have to make a decision about whether we believe that the Bible is actually infallible, in- iner- inerrant. The inerrant meaning without error in the original languages in which it was written. The Old Testament primarily in Hebrew, a little bit of Aramaic, and the New Testament is Greek. Do we say... Okay, whatever, whatever's in there, I will trust that it is God's word for us and I will follow that out. If we go back and we say, well, but this is old, old book. How do we know that the content has been accurately carried forward without change throughout the centuries, which I think is sort of part, part of the bigger question. The Bible far and away is the most um, uh, robustly, manuscripted document that exists in the world. There are 25,000 um, full and partial copies of the New Testament in Greek and other languages, and, and similarly in the Old Testament. And their archaeological finds, the, the, the Dead Sea Scrolls were found in what, the 1940s? They pointed back, they showed, they proved that the copies, the Hebrew copies of the Bible that were being read, the Old Testament, uh, were accurately um, transmitted. So really, you know, uh, um, uh, manuscript excerpts will tell us that the content of the Bible is 99.5% accurate. The inaccuracies end up being spelling errors because the scribes that were copying this down, they desperately cared about being accurate. And so, so the, the bigger question is, can we be confident that the Bible we'd see today... If we're looking at the Greek and Hebrew versions, that that is the same what it was before, and absolutely that's the case. We read English translations of it now, of course, but so do we trust that the original languages that we saw are accurate? So we say, yeah, absolutely. That's
0: great. You guys getting something to ask? This is this helpful for everybody? Um, this has some depth to it, so I'm just preparing us. We probably have time for about two more questions. Uh, how does the Bible speak to immigration issues of today? I want to make sure we're sensitive about this topic, but I think
4: uh, it's a pretty big deal. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'll take that. Um, all right, immigration. Um, let's 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 make that into like the bigger issue that we see today, which we all agree that we need a immigration reform sort of thing, like the the systems that we have in this country. Um, so, what, what do we say to illegal immigration? Um, that might be a, perhaps a better way to frame it uh is illegal immigration a sin? Um, the answer is plain and simple yes, it's a sin, uh simply because it's illegal, but before we jump into into pointing fingers to people that we know uh or maybe even feeling feeling so condemned about it because we said it here from the stage, um, illegal immigration is a sin, yes, because it's illegal, but so is downloading stuff from the internet from like not legitimate source so is uh speeding going over one mile uh one mile over the speed limit i never do that because i usually go two or more um (laughs) but so is uh underage drinking so is hopping into your neighbor's wi-fi yeah there's a law about that it's not necessarily i don't think there is a wi-fi police. feel the conviction in the room right now There's no Wi-Fi police, but um, yeah, that's breaking the law. And anything that breaks the law is punishable by the law, um, and it is a sin. Now, now that we got that out of the way, let's make sure that we're not too quick to judge because everybody that um, struggles with something in, in a sin area or has sin, there's a story behind it. Like video was saying last week, uh, which was a fantastic message, um, we can't be too quick to judge we need to make sure that in order for us to judge, we need to make sure that we are okay with everybody judging us. Uh, and we all, have, we all have sins. And the Bible says that the weight of one sin is the weight of a thousand. So there is no like, oh, this is bigger. No, no. So let's not be quick to judge. Make, um, make sense? Uh, now, with all of that being said, if you're, uh, if, you, if you're here or maybe you're watching online and you find yourself in the situation that you are here illegally, uh, in, in, in USA illegally. Here's some piece of va- advice for you. One, uh, do everything you possibly can to pursue legal legal status in this country. Everything that you possibly can. Consult an attorney. Do everything you can to be become legal here in this country. That's one. Second, do everything you can to live a life above reproach here. And do. What do I mean by that? Be a contributor not a consumer i can't say this loud enough be a contributor not just a consumer make sure that you live above reproach and what does that mean pay your taxes you work hard yes work hard be an impact be a positive impact in the community that that you're at work hard but pay your taxes too because we we all enjoy the, the, and I say this with experience because I'm, I'm, I'm also an immigrant. I came from Brazil. I don't know if you guys ever noticed my little bit of accent. Um, but you know, we all enjoy the benefits of being in this country, but there's a price for that. And if we all take benefits of everything that we use in this country, we should all be uh, participate in paying for it. Can I have an email from somebody? <laughs> so let's make sure that we are honest um, and that we pay our taxes, that we don't take advantage of the system's Uh, In place, um, not lying in our forms to say that we only make X amount of dollars so that we can benefit X, Y, and Z. That's not godly, okay? So do everything you possibly can to live a life above reproach. Now, if you're here and you're not in in, in this position, but you know somebody that is, um, here's some advice for you. Uh, first of all, our first citizenship is not an American citizenship, it's not Brazilian, it's not Hispanic, it's not Indian, it's not Chinese, whatever it is, our first citizenship as Christ followers is citizens of heaven. So we got to make sure that if we are Christians, we need to, uh, the the word Christian is to be Christ-like, not to just believe in Jesus, but to act like Jesus. And we are to embrace and to love our neighbor. And our neighbor does not necessarily, okay, let me check your, your citizenship status I and mean, we were now our neighbors everybody so, so we are called to love them and embrace them bible talks a whole lot about the foreigner and how we should treat uh the foreigner and and I, I don't have time to go into all the terminology here but we should embrace we should help we should love uh and accept and treat them just as good as we treat our own citizens make sense uh and do everything you can to help them to uh, if if you can at anything or your capacity for them to reach legal status in this country uh, last
0: question and this has been debated by scholars theologians uh, we just want to know kind of our stance by the way in case you guys couldn't tell we can't go into full depth and detail about every question these are really to uh, give a sufficient answer but it's really to have you and spark you to go and look for yourselves on some of the things that you believe but as a church where do we stand on, can you lose your salvation or not? I know that's a big debate, uh, but PD, why don't, you, why don't you tackle that first, and uh, where, where do we stand?
1: Um, well, if you, um, if you have some kind of theological exposure, two big camps typically are Calvinism and Arminianism, and I'm not going to do that, um, and because I, I, I think there's holes in both sides, one in particular um, side, but I like to, again, answer a question, sometimes with a question, and pose a question. I think a better way to view this is, uh, was the person genuinely saved in the first place? Um, I think it's really hard to be taken from the hand of God once we were firmly planted in the hand of God. And so... Um, In Mark chapter 4, there's the parable of the sower. You guys probably know this story, but one of the pieces of that parable describes seed, which references the Word of God was planted, uh, or wasn't planted, but it fell upon rocky soil. And there was an emotional response, and everybody was like, yeah, I love it, it's awesome. And then just a little while later, uh, that that seed was not able to take root because of the rocky soil. And I think there's a lot of rocky soil Christians, people that... Uh, made an emotional commitment or emotional response with a lack of commitment, and it creates a lot of problems. So how do we really know we're genuinely saved is really the, the heart of the question, can you lose your salvation? Is everybody tracking with me so far? So I think the Bible, which is an incredible book, speaks loudly to us in ways that can help validate or confirm as opposed to, you know, decimate or eliminate the concern. So 1 John uh, a book you should read on your own, but it gives a multiplicity of uh, examples to help us know and test: Are we in fact Christians? First, I'll give you five. If you guys, anybody's taking notes, some people are taking notes like crazy last service. But the first thing is, we need to confess Jesus is Lord. So, did, did you ever, did you ever confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Um, Romans ten nine and ten tells us that. First John four fifteen tells us that. First John five one tells us that as well. So. Do people know you're a Christ follower by the profession of your faith? One of the ways we do that here at Connect is people get water baptized. So your decision to become a Christ follower might be personal, but it was never meant to be private. We go public when we get baptized so that everybody knows we're a Christian. It's our coming out. Does everybody understand? And it tells everybody to whom we belong. So the second sign or test that we're Christ followers, we obey his commands. And in, in, in uh, multiple places in First John, it just tells us those that are born of God keep His commands. Way back in the Gospel of John, it says, if you love me, keep my commandments. In First John 5, it says, the commandments of God are not burdensome. So, so when you love God, you'll want to do what He says. If you're not doing what He says, you're just kind of picking and choosing. It's a kind of a potpourri. It's kind of a buffet. I like this. I don't like that. I, I do like this, but I don't know about that. Then th- those could be signs of an insecurity, not a, not a blessed assurance of salvation. So you want to keep the commands. Everybody tracking. Here's the third one. Third one is do you struggle with sin? Are you miserable when you're in sin? A sure sign that you're saved is when you're in sin, you're miserable. That's telling you you're a child of God. So if you're miserable right now and you're conscious of your sin, um, that's a good sign, just so you know, it means you're a child of God. Okay. And so first John 3:9 tells us that those that are born of God. Do not continue or do not habitually sin. So I don't not sin, but I sin less when I gave my life to Jesus Christ, began to obey his commandments. And therefore, when I make mistakes, and I will, because we all stumble in many ways. He was without sin, let him cast the first stone. I'm miserable when I'm like that. And the Holy Spirit is hounding me and he's bringing the conviction upon me. So when you don't feel that struggle and you're miserable, this is a really good indicator of where you stand in your salvation. Um, you have a seared conscience or a calloused heart. You need to be really concerned. And you need to be concerned for those that are around you when there is that habitual pattern, chronic sin. Here's the fourth one. The fourth one is we stay away from the devil. We 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 veer clear of the enemy. In fact, in First John it also says that those that are born of God are kept safe, not saved, safe. It's the difference between safe and salvation. So what basically the Bible is saying is when you give your heart to Christ, you stay away from people, places, and things that lead you to devilish activities and and and, and, and demonic behavior and bondages and things like that. You instead go towards People, places, and things that help you grow and flee youthful lust and flee sin. Is everybody tracking with me? So you run from the devil, and the devil cannot harm you. Is what it says in the last portion of that text. So you stay safe. That's a sign. And the last one is, um, you love your brothers and sisters in Christ. A sign that you're saved. You cannot say in First John that you that light is in you, but you hate your brother. That's you're a liar. You're a liar according to Scripture. So we should know we're Christians by our love for one another. The Bible says do good, especially to the family of believers, Galatians 6, 9. So it's kind of like five tests that assure us that we're saved. The question is, were you genuinely saved? And God gives us five tests to let us know we were. Amen?
0: That's excellent. Can you give it up for our panel today? That's awesome.
4: Did you guys enjoy this? Good? Awesome. PD, do you want to pray for the church? Sure. So um, stand. That was some good stuff, huh? Now listen. as um, this last question we're talking about salvation, which is so so important. I mean, that's that's the whole reason why we're we're doing this is is to help people to to make sure that at the end of the day, your relationship with God is in the place that it should be that is strong vibrant um, now a lot of a lot of us can be asking these questions and notice that some of these questions are very like this level is like behavioral um, questions because we we just want to know if it's okay or this this or that and it's not necessarily this orientation but just to piggyback on this last question you know in, in John chapter 14 it talks about the fact that, yeah, if you love me, Jesus said, if you love me, you obey my commands. And I don't know about you, but I, I grew up um, very often th- reading the scripture and just feeling that I had to obey the commands to prove to God that I love them. Uh, so this this is my, my, my relationship. Thank you. My relationship with, with God, in my mind, was sort of based on my behavior. Uh, on... I have to prove to God that I love Him. But the truth is, the Bible didn't change but my perspective did. And I came to understand that it's not necessarily a condition but it is a consequence. So my my behavior today, I, I try to do everything I can to obey God's command, not because I need to prove Him that I love Him. I do it because I love Him. It's a consequence of my love towards Him. And that is a great test for you to ask yourself. Why? Why do you try to do the right thing? Is it simply because of fear of God and, and you just don't want to be on the wrong side of God or or is it because you love God? You know, I don't I don't commit adultery. I don't I don't I don't do things that I shouldn't do not because I'm afraid of losing my wife or afraid of public disgrace or afraid of this that's very meistic. I don't do those things because I love my wife. It's very simple. I love my wife. So with that being said, if you're here today and, and everybody just close your eyes for, for a little bit. Close your eyes, bow your heads. Not that that makes you more spiritual or anything spooky going on. Just to give privacy to the people around you. Now if you're here today and you have not transferred your uh, the, the trust for uh, of your salvation, your uh, the trust of actually being able to go to heaven to Jesus Christ, to the finished work of the cross. And if maybe you've been trying so so much to behave better, to do better, in order for you to find favor in the eyes of God and you know that that's not working cuz the more good you try to do the more bad stuff you end up doing in the in the process of it and if you if you're ready to give up trying to do it on your own and you're ready to accept the payment that Jesus paid at the cross the sacrifice of Jesus as payment for you for your sins past present and future if that is you today just between me you and God Every head bowed. Every eye closed. Between me, you and God, boldly just raise your hand right now. I see that hand. Thank you right here. Thank you, ma'am. I see that hand. Thank you. I see the hand in the back. Thank you. Anyone else? All right, church, just say this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I thank you for the sacrifice at the cross. I thank you that you died for me, and I ask you that you come live in me, and I now give my life to you. I surrender. I give up trying to do it on my own, but I trust that your sacrifice at the cross was sufficient to pay for all my sin, past, present, and future. When I look back into my life, I see that you are my King and Savior. I surrender to you. Help me in this new journey. And may my life never be the same. In Jesus' name. Now, if you pray this prayer, church, if you, if you pray this, this prayer, and if this is the first time you, you're doing this, if you raise your hand, I want to highly encourage you to fill one of these out. These are a connection card. Uh, this is a connection card that is in your worship guide. Fill this out. Put your name in there. We're not going to be calling you and going to your house, showing up at your workplace. We don't do that kind of stuff, all right? We just want to come alongside you, give you some resources in your uh, new journey right now with Christ. And I strongly, strongly suggest you to fill this out. Put it in the back of the auditorium. Put it in any prayer request that you may have. It's a great way to connect with us. Amen. Let me just pray for you all. Thank you, Jesus, so much for this day. Thank you, God, for all the questions that came in. Thank you for the bonus of the people that actually asked the questions, Lord. And I pray that in no way, shape, or form, our answers are uh, condemning anyone, but it's just equipping people and helping people to uh, see things the way that, they, that, that that you intended for them to see, Lord. Uh, sh- uh, shedding some light in, in sometimes difficult subjects, Lord, but uh, I believe that your word is, is, is flawless. And He speaks uh, today as He spoke before, and I thank You, Lord, for just this opportunity uh, to be able to just share Your Word with everybody. And I and I pray, Lord, that we see good fruit of it um, in the coming days, coming weeks, months, and years. In Jesus' name, and everybody said a big, Amen.
0: Amen.